Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm your host, Gormy. Glad you're back with us today. Tonight, I, I've got a great fat guy to introduce you to. That's my friend, Frank Campanella. He goes by Culinary Lion Keto on the Instagram and pretty much everywhere else, but we'll let him talk about that a little bit. But we're going to get into his story, and, and he's got some unique skills uh, I want to share with all of you. And uh, with that, we'll, we'll turn you over to the lion. Frank, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, definitely. I'm glad to have you here. Um, as you and I discussed, we're going we're gonna to start kind of getting into your story, and then we'll see where it takes us from there. Sound good? Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. I mean, okay. Uh, well, I'll we'll start on a September morning back in the, uh, the, the uh, late 70s, I guess. But uh, there we go. Yeah. No, my story's kind of a, a long, drawn-out thing, but uh, I was in very good shape in high school. Uh, I played three sports. Uh, I was always a bigger guy, but I was able to kind of keep that under control. I lifted weights. I worked out. I ran. You know, I was a very active person, and I knew myself. I knew that if I kind of ever fell behind, I was going to, you know, start putting on weight. That's always kind of been the way it's worked with me. As a even smaller kid, what would happen is I'd put on a few pounds, start to get a little chubby, and then boom, I'd grow another inch. Mm -hmm. And you know, so it was kind of. I always just assumed I'd be eight feet tall by now, but uh, it just didn't work out. So yeah, so throughout high school, you know, I worked hard to kind of keep everything going. But yeah, I'm six five. And uh, so, you know, I, I can carry a lot of weight and not look, you know, too fat, too obese. Sure, you know? sure. But unfortunately, um, after high school, I went to college and I got a job working. Um, I I'm a chef by trade. Well, I guess we'll go back and we'll hit that later. But uh, I got a job working for the winter and I slipped on some ice, shattered my ankle. Mm. and me out of commission for three or four months. I had to get a bunch of pins and screws put in, um, mm. you know, robotic ankle. And when that happened, my body just, you know, obviously all I did was sit around and eat and mm -hmm. winter. So I had friends, you know, I was in college. So we had friends bringing over pizzas, cheese steaks, and God knows what else. And it just, it piled on quick. Um, I probably gained 75 to 100 pounds over that winter. And wh where were you at around to start? Do you remember? So around that time, I was probably, we'll say like 260. Okay. You know, 260 pounds. And I probably put on, like I said, about 100 pounds uh, fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, my ankle was better, it just kind of, you know, I had lost that, you know, I was just lethargic. I think I'd just become sedentary. I'd become used to being sedentary. And I just, mm. I, I fell into that trap and I worked as a cook, you know, I went back to that uh, lifestyle and, uh, you know, so I was a big guy, but again, you know, 360, I'm six five, so I can kind of hide it a little bit. I'm still fairly muscular, even though I'm putting on a lot of pounds, and you know I'm wearing a lot of loose clothing and you know disguising it the best I can. Sure. 
but as a you know as a chef you're kind of wearing baggy you know chef pants and you know whatever so it it doesn't nobody really noticed it nobody really said anything i was always a big dude anyway so it was just kind of you know what it was mm-hmm. and then it just kind of kept going um as as time went on uh i just put on more and more weight and more and more weight and I think deep down, I probably knew it, but I kind of just brushed it off. I said, well, you know, you're just kind of that that's the way it goes or, you know, it, it, it just took a while. It, and it I don't everybody has that aha moment that they talk about. And right. I hear people have them much earlier, like oh, I hit 400 pounds and I had that aha moment. And, you know, I hit 500 pounds and I had that aha moment. It took me to get to 700 pounds before mm. finally cracked my skull and told me, you're going to be dead soon. It's a miracle right. you're not dead already. Let's, let's get you, you know, whatever together and, and figure this out. And so I know we kind of jumped ahead to, to the end of that. But what it was for me is, yeah, it just it kept building up over time and kept building up over time. And... Once you kind of max out, I think the last time I knew how much I weighed was probably around 500 pounds and scale there. And then after that, it was just your guess was as good as mine. Mm. So I went to a weight loss clinic. Right. Where they actually had a scale big enough to weigh me. And yeah, the, the nurse had me step on the scale. I looked at it. It said 732 pounds. My heart literally just stopped and sank, you know, mm. all the way down my chest. And that was, I guess, as close to an aha moment as you're going to get because you're like, wow, you've done it now. You're, and at that point, I kind of decided, well, you're screwed. You're dead. Nobody's going to come back from that. You know, you've right, already right. let it go too far. So kind of, you know, enjoy the time you got because it's limited. And that right, was right. My attitude about it and um so that's that's i guess where we got to the bottom of the barrel so that sure. that's the low point sure and it, and i i don't i know we want to move on to what ha- what comes next but i do want to because it's very rare for me to talk to someone who was heavier than me so right. I, I i kind of was excited for us to have this opportunity to talk um because when I've talked to other people, they're like, you know, I got to 460, I got to 470. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I got to, you know, I was, I was 540. So I, I get that. Um, but really, and, and the thing I think is really interesting for you is like, so you were 732 pounds at your heaviest. Yeah. You, you weren't bedridden. You weren't, you, you were an episode of my 600 pound life at that point, which I think is what everyone would equate to 700 pounds when they think about it. What was life like? I mean, you were still working at that size, right? I- I was still working. I have no mm-hmm. idea. I mean, I swear to God, there must be an Arnold Schwarzenegger somewhere deep down inside of me. Right. That Completely. Could, that could keep me moving. Um, one of my uh, one of the guys that I work with now, he, he, he had something that he said to me that kind of stuck with me. And he goes, Frank, you're just a big onion. And we're just going to keep peeling you down and peeling you mm. down until we hit that athlete. Because he's right. in there. Because... To be able to do, and you know, like I said, I was a chef. I was on my feet. Now it was rough. Right. I was leaning on every counter I could. I was taking every break I possibly could. 
you know, it was not a pretty sight, but I still got up and down the stairs. I still, you know, expedited a dinner rush, you know. Right, right. It, like I said, it wasn't pretty, but the fact that I was still able to do it was a freaking miracle. So because I and I, I think like I know for me, like and this I think this betrays my age a little bit. When I think of really heavy chefs, I think of the old videos of like Paul Prudhomme riding around the kitchen in a scooter and having his kitchen oh, designed, you know, so, and so, but that was, I mean, you were as much as you were resting and, and taking breaks and leaning, you know, you were, I mean, for those people out there that don't work in the culinary or hospitality field, it's not like it's a desk job at all. When you're, you're working in a kitchen, even especially when you're expediting in a kitchen, you're not, you're not sitting in a chair at a desk barking orders. No. No, I mean, well, and you know, that, that would kind of happen, you know, sure. what I would do is I'd sneak up to the office and be doing paperwork and stuff like mm. that. And I relied a lot towards the end of it. I relied a lot on my sous chefs, you know, to kind of mm. just bail me out. And, uh, you know, it's something I look back on. And I just shake my head because I, I didn't know what else to do. Cause I couldn't quit my job. That's, I mean, that's the only thing that sustained me. And I'd been a right. chef. I think I was my first chef job coming out. I, I started as a dishwasher, worked my way up. Uh, never went to culinary school, but I worked hard. I worked with some really good chefs when I was a kid. And I got my first chef job at 21. So mm. forward to 37, and this is all I know how to do. You know, this right. is what I'm good at. And I guess kind of moving forward in the conversation, mm -hmm. I also realized this is what was killing me. You know, right. the work, the lifestyle, you know, on top of being addicted to food completely, mm -hmm. I was also an alcoholic and mm -hmm. I also smoked. So, you know, take your pick of vices and I probably right. had at some point. So for me, the first thing that I actually did before I even got my diet or exercise or anything like that, I quit smoking. Right. So I started there. You know, I said, because what would happen with me is I would quit all three things. Like I would have this moment. I'm like, all right, we're going to get healthy. We're going to do it. We're going to quit drinking, quit smoking and eat clean. And I didn't even know what eating clean at the time was. But sure. You know, I thought it was low fat mayonnaise and whole wheat pasta. There so, you, you know, we've all been through that stage of our life. And so that's what I did. I quit smoking. I stuck to that and the drinking and the smoking kind of intertwined each other. You know, mm. you, you crave alcohol when you smoke and you smoke, you crave alcohol, you know, so right. kind of bounced back and forth. So killing those two birds was fairly, I'm not going to say it was easy. It, it wasn't, but I was ready to make the commitment. My roommate at the time, she was awesome. She quit smoking with me. So we kind of both, you know, used, you know, the, the support there and sure. we moved forward. So to this day, we, neither of us smoke. And then, um, for me, I guess the first big change was I got an opportunity. Well, what happened was the restaurant business was just killing me. So mm. I went to the, uh, the owners of the restaurant and we talked about it and they wanted to help me. I mean, they just, they had no clue what to do. You know, they're sure. no, they're just they're looking at me dying and they want to help. 
but they they have no clue what to do. Everybody's like, Frank, why don't you just eat healthy? And I'm like, I've tried, you know, what I thought I was doing just wasn't working. And I tried a bunch of low fat diets. I, I think I even messed around with Atkins at one point, but I was so terrified of eating fat and my cholesterol and just dropping dead from a heart attack. Sure. It kind of just scared me off of it. So even though I lost some weight doing Atkins, I got talked out of it by everybody around me. And it's funny that, you know, coming around and doing keto finally is what is digging me out of this. So Right, right. So it's it's ironic, you know, one of those looking back points where you're like, God, if I'd only stuck with it then instead of letting myself progress all the way, you know, to 700. Mm. If I'd stopped the bleeding at, you know, even 550, you know, I'd be so much further along in my journey backwards now. So, but hindsight's 2020. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I, I promise myself is I never look back. I never feel any guilt about it. The past is the past, and that's where you got to leave it. Because beating yourself up about it isn't going to make me any skinnier. It's not going to make me any healthier or any happier. So, Correct. You know, uh, what, what do they say? You know, guilt is like a sack of potatoes. You know, you just got to set it down and walk away from mm. it. And so I know there's a better analogy, but that's the one we're going to go with for now. But, well, uh, I think I, I think that fits the culinary metaphor anyway. So. It does. It, I, I think I just modified it to uh, be a kitchen analogy. There you go. But, yeah, and so that that was my thing. Is you know, I still look back on it. And I still, you know, I recognize it. Obviously, you know, anybody that gets as big as I did, you can't not forget the past completely. But you just have to look at it in a way where the past is the you know past tense, and we're only looking forward now. So mm. that's kind of been for the past two and a half years where my brain has been understood man so so what happened when you so you you weighed in at 732 at a weight loss clinic um yeah and it was so it where, was one, go ahead no no it was one of no. those weight loss clinics where i i went to it and they wanted to shoot you full of weird drugs and they wanted mm. to like all it was it was the only thing a that I thought I could afford and B that was kind of nearby where I was living at the time, because Uh. I was in Delaware uh, because I was working in a resort town at the beach. And that's just happened to be where the restaurant that I was working at. I'm from Maryland, uh, but I worked for a restaurant group that opened up restaurants kind of up and down the East coast in the mid Atlantic area. So I was, I was in Delaware found this place, you know, on the internet. I said, I'm going to go there, check it out, you know, wait in. Then they started injecting me full of stuff and told me to eat Mm. 1,100 calories a day. Oh, wow. And so I was eating mainly powders and like this oatmeal-like substance that I wouldn't feed to prisoners. Mm. Um, All kinds of, you know, and I'm a chef, so I'm sitting here going, good Lord. I mean, what, what a... What a, what a cruel and unusual punishment to take a guy oh, yeah. very talented at cooking and make him eat a powdered and liquid diet. But 
but it, it kind of worked. It kind of worked. I lost like a quick 50 pounds, but then the problem was it was just unsustainable. I was, mm. I found myself sleeping all day. Um, just, just miserable human being. And, uh, so what ended up happening was I, I kind of stopped doing that. You know, I realized that though I did lose 50 pounds, I knew there was no way that I was going to be able to keep this up. So we found a weight loss retreat actually down in Hilton Head, South Carolina called Hilton Head Health. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like, for lack of a better term, it's like drug rehab for fat people. Sure, and, sure. But it's, but it's all different sorts of people. There's, you'll have like an older couple who just wants to have a healthy vacation and they're, you know, just doing yoga in the pool and all your meals are prepared, very healthy. Most of it's low cal, low fat, but it's all like fresh, real food. You know, it's not, it's not garbage. It's not powders. Right. It's, and at, at the, the weight loss place, they don't subscribe to any one kind of diet. You know, they definitely lean towards the, um, the lower calorie, but they're reasonable about it. Like I remember when I got there, they started me at like 2,700 calories. So, you know, they weren't trying to starve me. Um, and I learned a lot about myself because it was a great place. I went there for five weeks and, you know, five weeks, you're not going to lose, you know, all the weight that I needed to by any means, but it was at least going to get me out of a lot of bad habits and get oh, yeah. good ones. And, you know, getting up every morning at 7 a.m. and doing an hour of pool aerobics. You know, they had a pool there. So for a guy my size to be able to, you know, I, I took to the water so well. And mm. I'll say that for anybody who's big and your knees hurt and your ankles and your joints, I know it sucks. And you're going to wear a T-shirt in the pool and it's cool. Man, get, find a pool because mm. I'll tell you what, that was the biggest you feel like an athlete when you're in the pool, you know. Oh, completely, the, the, completely. The, the displacement of the water kind of, you know, things that you could never do on land since you were 15, all of a sudden you can do again in the water without being in pain. And uh, so I'm a huge, huge proponent, especially with big guys, especially when you're first starting out, a pool, you know, anything aquatic. Oh, I completely agree. That was when I first started my, my bigger weight loss journey um, in like 2010 or so, that was what I did. I, I knew that I couldn't do anything at the gym. I, the gym I went to, the, the weight room was up three flights of stairs. So I, was, <laughs> I, so I literally, even when I first started going up the stairs to that, to that area, like I was resting going up the stairs. But I, I knew immediately that a pool was the thing that was best for me. Like we, I, I don't think people realize how you can literally destroy your knees and hips and all those joints. And then it's, it's so easy to prescribe to big people to just start moving and they don't know that pain you live with. And we, we find ways to comfort ourselves and the positions that feel good. You know, you were talking about leaning and, you know, I knew what, how to sit in chairs and all of that. Great. But when you actually start to move and realize, wow, this doesn't feel great. Like a pool is a whole new world. You step into that pool and the weight almost goes away. Like it's, it's, it's freeing. And of course, I think you, you probably could also relate to when you get out of the pool I was and just, you're like, yep. it's like, Oh my God, it all came back. <laughs> oh, it's all, it's all, it's like, I literally gained 200 pounds, you know, 300 pounds stepping out of this pool. And it comes back fast because you're literally, you're wearing wet clothes. 
Oh, know? yeah. So not only do you does all the weight come back with an extra 20 just for fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, you know, that was the five weeks I spent there. Um, I, I, I kind of just absorbed it. You know, I took everything in. And it's a really cool program because they talk about, I mean, you, you work with a psychologist. You know, you talk about, you know, why you have, you know, the, why do you eat? You know, what are your mm. goals? You know, and, and as much as I'm not a rah-rah, you know, pump them up kind of guy, like everybody has these cute, you know, like the what is your whys and the stuff. Right. Like that. I, oh, for, yeah. I appreciate all that. I really do. And for a lot of people, they need that. But for me, I was like, I've always been just kind of hard headed and, you know, I'm like, oh, God, you know, do I have to write in a journal next? You know, what, what's what's this? And oh, yeah. Again, everybody has their thing and I don't knock any of it. But for me, I was I was very kind of uh, stand, not standoffish, but I finally just broke. And I said, you know what? Let these people do what they know how to do. You know, They clearly mm. they've done this before. The place has been open for years and years and years. So. Once I kind of took off the the armor, I guess, and kind of right. just embraced the program, I, I started to really feel a lot better. And so at the end of the five weeks, and again, I'd never heard of fasting. I'd never heard of keto, never heard right. of any of it. One of the trainers, as we're kind of going over my numbers, you know, we're, we're looking at like, you know, they weigh you in, they do a blood uh work up when you get there and then they do one when you leave and you kind of right. compare notes. So we're sitting there and uh, one of the trainers goes, have you ever heard of intermittent fasting? And I'm like, no, no, what's that? So he, I forget what YouTube channel he told me to check out. And so I did. So I looked at it and we kind of talked about it a little bit more like the last you know day I was there and I said, you know, it's a neat idea. I said, what, and it's something you can incorporate to any diet. So right. you can be a vegan and you can intermittent fast. You can, you know, be a carnivore. You can be anything. So mm-hmm. looked at it as maybe another tool to take with me from my time in uh, South Carolina. And so when I got home, I really started researching it. You know, I read The Obesity Code by Jason Fung, you mm-hmm. know. You know, I, and, I, you know, Jimmy Moore, a lot of that stuff started to kind of get in there. And, you know, and I took it all in, but it was still kind of, you know, it's a very foreign thought to just not eat for, oh yeah you know, 16 hours at first. And then I'm reading like, well, 24 hours. And then, then it said you can do it for, you know, 48. And, you know, and just, it, it seemed to go on forever. You know, there's people doing seven day fasts. I'm like, this sounds crazy. And I told my brother about it and his reaction was the same. He goes, you're going to die. You're like, this, Mm. this sounds like the most unhealthy thing in the world. But I was kind of determined to give it a shot. And uh, so I did. So I remember I started with like 16 hour fasts and it was rough at first. Then I did a 24. I remember, you know, knocking out my first 36 hour fast. And then, um, then I started really, it was a neat mindset for me because instead of like having to just worry about how many calories I was eating or, or doing anything like that, I just didn't eat. I just said, okay, from, from here to here, we're going to drink water and coffee. And that's, that's the end of it. So I started doing that for a while and, uh, I hadn't gone to a doctor in a very long time. 
So that was the other kind of side of things. So um, I, when I got back to Maryland after going to this retreat, what I did was I kind of looked around. I found a doctor near me, called, and I was lucky enough to get an appointment. And I was prepared that the doctor was going to tell me, you know, you have to eat low calorie. You have to do this. You have to do that. And the first thing this doctor does is hand me this pamphlet, which was an excerpt from the obesity code. Oh, wow. And I'm like, touchdown. All right. Mm. This guy. And right. so that was so cool. So I'm like, well, I got the perfect doctor. So we started talking about fasting. We, we started, you know, kind of bouncing around a little bit, a little bit of low carb, a little bit of keto kind of started getting introduced then, but it was still mainly fasting. But then what happened for me was I noticed that it was easier to do longer fasts if I ate low carb. For sure. So that was when I started recent. And this is probably about two, two, two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. So I started, uh, you know, so I guess at this point from my, my heaviest weight, we're, we're now in the, the lower 600s, you know, so we've, mm -hmm. We've gotten out of the 700s. We're in the 600s. Um, and I started getting into keto. And I really enjoy it because as a chef, it, it played to me. You know, mm. I get to butter. I get to use cream. I get to use cheese. I get to use meat. These are all the things that, you know, they're in my wheelhouse. This is, right. this is where I excel. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, French cuisine. You know, what are the, you know, you always think about like, the butter and the cream and the, you know, the high fat French dishes that every American always goes, Oh, you know, that's gotta be so unhealthy. The French, if you look at their heart disease rate and their diabetes rate compared to ours. Oh yeah. And, uh, for sure. So yeah, I get to, I, I start playing with all these new ingredients and, you know, well, not even new ingredients, you know, things that were classic to me, like, um, you know, butter and cream and cheese, and meats but then new stuff like almond flour and you know different uh you know coconut aminos stuff like that like stuff i'd really mm. never worked at and you really just don't see in classic kitchens um so i would just kind of go on the internet and google different recipes and just kind of see new ingredients and I, I would just i had a notebook i would just write them down like okay that's a cool weird ingredient that i've never heard of Amazon Prime, click, two days, it's at my house. Right, right. And that's kind of, I started just making recipes, and then that kind of morphed into the whole culinary lion side of things, where I just started making recipes, started taking pictures of them, you know, literally just cell phone pictures, nothing extravagant. You know, I, I had sure. no real intention of making a blog at first, but, you know, I wanted to do something all I've ever wanted to do with this phase of my life is find a new career path where I could maintain a healthy lifestyle. Right. And, and I, for, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it. Cause I, I think that's really key. Cause you, you talked about this being what, you know, cooking is what, you know, culinary is what, you know, but also it was also what was killing you. So I think there's some real power to that idea of saying, I'm going to find a way it's, you didn't run away from it, you, and which is, I think, something people would have, you know, have done. I, I've talked to people that, you know, used to work in kitchens and had to get out of that environment. I think there's something really powerful for you to say, 
I now want to find a way to not push this big part of me away, but make it a part of me going forward. Yeah, for me, and the, the joke I always say is, I now use my powers for good instead of evil. There you go. It, it's, you know, I take all the, you know, because I'm Italian, so mm -hmm. I... Oh, really? You, know, you are? I Yeah, you wouldn't think with... Campanella? Last, I wouldn't... Well, yeah, but... uh it, you know, I grew up, you know, we had pasta, you know, we would have Sunday dinner at my grandfather's. We'd cook, uh, you know, bolognese sauce for eight hours and, and you know, we'd have four different pasta courses over a three hour mm. you know, time span. You know, so I grew up with a lot of that stuff. I'm very good at cooking Italian food. I've, I've opened Italian restaurants, you know, so I've, I've done a lot of this stuff. And so, you know, for me getting to still be able to cook a lot of this stuff just changing it up you know it all started with maybe using spaghetti squash instead of pasta and then things like miracle noodle and you know i've been messing mm -hmm. around this stuff called palmini now that's made from hearts of palm and it's it's really good you know you can you know the pasta was never the thing that tasted good it was what you did with it right so if you're gonna make like, uh, you know, an Alfredo sauce with, you know, cream and, you know, butter and cheese. You can still do that. You can still work that in, but just serve it with, you know, a vegetable or as a sauce, maybe over a piece of fish, you know. So there's there's so much variability that you can get into now. You just got to kind of skip those starches and, you know, skip the things like, you know, potatoes. You know, Obviously, there's there's some caveats to any diet, any any lifestyle any changes you're going to make, you're going to find certain things that you just have to adjust. But uh, once you make those adjustments, I think I've never found any lifestyle even come close to as sustainable, which is ironic because most people knock the keto diet for being unsustainable. And I'm sitting here going, what are you talking about? Are you not right. seeing what I'm doing here? You know, so anybody who thinks the keto is unsustainable and you can't, you know, do it and you're going to get bored with it, please go to my website. You know, I, I, I challenge you. I will take on any chef in the country and have a cook off and put my keto food against their, you know, carved up, you know, nonsense. And, you know, and I stand behind that. And for, for sure. And while we're talking about it, just I don't want to go too deep into your website because I do have some questions for you about that. But what while, we're, while we've got people realizing, you know, the importance of this part of your journey. What is your, what's your website address? Throw it out to them so everyone can hear oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's culinarylion.com. And then on top of that, I actually um, recently started contributing to grilling24x7.com. And so any of my grilling recipes or my barbecue, and that's another passion, completely different. I, I used to compete um, competitively in the mm -hmm. uh, KCS, which is the uh, Kansas City Barbecue uh, Society. And we used to do competitions. And that's another cool thing that I've been able to kind of change and, for lack of a better term, keto-fy, you know, using stuff like... Oh, for you know, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I know from uh, uh, KetoCon just a few weeks ago, Alterna Sweets barbecue sauce. You know, mm -hmm. I it on my ribs and I mix it in with butter now and I make I make these outstanding ribs, you know? so Oh, I mean, yeah fact that i can sit back and smoke some you know baby back ribs on a saturday afternoon and, and get to eat that and wake up a pound lighter i mean 
What a oh, time that, to be that, Exactly. And I mean and and you know, I don't I, I don't want to give Misty too much of a free commercial because you know I'm sure she's giddy giddy listening to us talk right now. Um, but sure. that that uh, that barbecue sauce is delicious. Like it it's not I've had other barbecue sauces where you're tasting them and you're thinking, okay, this is great for a keto barbecue sauce. Right. That's that's a good barbecue sauce. And I won't, know, so. I, won't knock, I won't knock anybody else's, but I will right. tell you. Oh, for sure, for sure. I I th- I bought a brand that is a lot more, we'll just say, easier to find at grocery stores. Mm-hmm. I brushed it on some ribs, and my brother tasted it. My brother doesn't really do keto, and he said, you know, he basically said, if you ever feed that to me again, I'll stab you. And, there you go. And I fed him, so I took a risk, and I tried Alternasweet with him. And I said, try this, man. I swear to God, this is a hell of a lot better than the last stuff I gave you. And he's cool with it. So uh, it, it nice, works out. Nice. Too, so I don't have to make two different kinds of ribs now. I can just use uh, use that one. So that that's enough nice. of your free, free commercial there. <laughs> oh, well, uh, but, you know, she I know I know she is listening because she's a, a listener to the podcast in general. But she was excited that we're going to get to talk today. So that's awesome. Um, so let's before we switch completely into food. Because I'm dying to, to ask you some food questions. I do want to. So where has keto taken you now? Where are you, right. where are you at in your journey? Like where, where, where are we at today? Well, yeah, I get, I, that's a good point. Where I'm at today, I, w- I would call. We'll say I'm at about the 60% mark. Of, of, okay. You know, my, my goal is not. I don't have an official number. And that's the thing. Sure. You know, I, don't, I don't know how far I can take this. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, we'll just say that 732 was the high point. I am now about to hit 450, um, mm. which is still a big dude. I mean, good Lord. It's, you know, by no means, you know, my rule is I don't pat myself on the back and act like I've, you know, reached my goal by any means. But I do have to sit there and appreciate that I've lost oh, yeah. 175 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have to. I have to acknowledge that, but I also know I've got a long way to go. And what I've recently done is kind of through talking to you and, and meeting some people is I've taken on a coach. And I think what happened for me, and I think probably the same thing happened to you, is when you lose that much weight, your body is a hell of an adaptive machine. And oh, it's yeah. about what you're doing. And it your body doesn't want to lose weight. Like it, it doesn't work with you. Every time mm-hmm. you think you've got it figured out, you know, it, the, the thing that drives me crazy about all of this journey is that the stuff I did six months ago doesn't work now. And yes, there's principles. Yes, there's things that do work, but you have to constantly be changing, you know, things up. And losing weight is almost like a chess match, you know? Mm, oh, you completely. Be, you know, you have to manipulate your opponent. You know, you have to you know, kind of put everything in perspective and kind of reevaluate your game plan. So for me, I got down to this point and I I'd, I'd really started to stall out. You know, I was cooking for a while, man. The first hundred pounds flew off. Of me. The mm-hmm. second hundred pounds still went pretty quick, I think, by anybody's standard. But, I, you know, obviously, the smaller you get, the closer to your goal you get, the slower the process. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, we all know that. And so once I kind of got down to this, I was looking for, 
you know, maybe I just need to retool. I need to maybe look at what I've been doing. You know, what can I do to be more efficient? And so, yeah, I started working uh, with uh, the same keto coach as you. Because, honestly, I saw a lot of your success. And I go, you know, we're, we're kind of similar guys. You know, I was bigger than you at the beginning. But, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of it now where right. I, I saw you really kind of kick it into high gear. You know, I, I met you, God, oh, I think over a year ago almost now. And, you know, just through Instagram and Facebook and right. whatever. But we've For always sure. talked. And, you know, I really saw you really start kicking, you know, just having this success. And I was like, man, you know. And so I, I got to I gotta take a moment and just thank you because you, you were like a big influence on me getting to where I am now. But I'm very excited about where I'm going in the future. And, and I'm, I'm very excited about working with uh, Keto Road. We'll give him a free mm-hmm. commercial. Oh, and yeah, we got to we got we got to give John a plug or he'll, exactly. I'll get, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a ton of messages from him. Right. You know, he'll, he'll talk to both of us after this podcast tonight, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. And, but and I think that's, that, I think that's admirable, man. I think that you're willing to not give up because I think like I get people all the time that have like 50 pounds to lose and say to me, I don't have any idea how you approach losing 300 pounds. Like, I can't fathom that. And I, I, I know there are those of us like me who have two to 300 pounds to lose who then sit and look at your story and think, how do you even start to think about losing 400 pounds or more or less or whatever it ends up being? But I, I think you've, you've got that right mindset because really we can't give up. And when I know like one of the, one of the reasons I started working with the coach was because I was in that place you were talking about. I was stalling. I was starting to regain. I had put 13 pounds back on and I knew I needed to do something different. Whereas in the past, I, the difference for me would have been giving up and saying, this isn't working. Sure. But I, sure. I, I was committed to keep going. And I think that's what I, what I hear, you know, from our talks and, you know, having met you at KetoCon, which was awesome. Like finally getting to, you know, us to, to talk live was, was incredible. Um, but I, I think that's the part of your story. I think that people need to know that you can be in it for a long, long haul. And it doesn't mean that you 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 give up and fade off to the side of the road. Like you, you keep working at it, and I think that I think that's great, man. Yeah, no, and I appreciate it, man. But the the thing about it is is that there's no time limit on this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on. There's gonna be setbacks, no matter what. This is not gonna be a smooth from point A to point B journey. <laughs> For sure, it's, it's gonna be bumpy, and my goals. Though I don't have, like, I kind of look at it like every 50 pounds. I'm like, every 50 pounds, give yourself a quick pat on the back, but then get back at it, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm going to hit 400 pounds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clear 400 and then some, you know? Oh, I believe I, that. I, I will definitely say my goal is to get under 300 pounds. So, mm-hmm. so where I go from there, you know, whether, you know, it... <laughs> You can attest to this. There's going to be loose skin. There's going to there, oh yeah. There, there becomes things that you see. You're not there yet, but like you've seen the road for other people, and you're like you're looking down into the distance. And you're like, man, there's a whole new set of problems down in the road. But oh you know, yeah. Let me just get there, then I'll deal with those problems. Mm-hmm. So instead of worrying about stuff like that now, just. Yeah, you can see it in the future. You know that 
there's going to be some other issues. There's going to be some other things you got to deal with. But again, just get there and and then worry about it. So yeah, for me right now, I've kind of retooled, um, working with Keto Road, getting everything kind of, I, I literally just started Monday. So this is right, my right. day. I've lost a good amount of weight this week. I feel really good. Um, I'm eating a, a, a ratio, and I'll, I'll just maybe get into this real quick. I'm eating a sure. ratio of 80% fat. Mm-hmm. That oh man, I, I <laughs> it's a it's a new world. It's a new world, isn't it? I thought I was keto before. This is a whole new level of mm. keto. I I told Jonathan I had to eat my omelet with a spoon this morning because there was so much fat in it. It was basically mm. soup. And oh, I I be, I believe that, and I, I that ratio is is kind of it's it's new for every person. I think that hits it, but it's it's incredible. But go ahead, I don't want to cut you off. I, I definitely have some thoughts oh, on that's that. That's totally fine. No, it, it, I I love kind of talking with you because you know we can kind of share war stories a little bit. You well, know, because the interesting the interesting oh yeah for sure, and the interesting thing is like so for you knowing that you were starting this week. And that I know, you know, I know when John starts his clients, you know, that you're going to start at that ratio. Like for me, I've been working with him since October. We started at that ratio and kept it in that 80 to 75% range for a while. And then he came to me and said, you know, I want to start exploring, taking your protein up a little bit and see how you respond to that. And, you know, see what happens. Does it affect your weight loss? Does it not? How you're feeling? And so my weight loss has still been pretty consistent. Um, we're now closer to like a 68% ratio for me. Okay. But what I've realized is, and this is the interesting, like this is the ton of bricks moment for me this week is that I don't feel great anymore. Like when I was eating that 75 to 80 ratio, my mental clarity, my energy was fantastic. And I've just noticed the past couple of weeks that I I've been at a lower level of energy and like my motor, like those, that mental fog has been coming back a little bit. And I think there's something, and I've, I've looked into this a lot. Like I, I think there are some people that don't respond well to a high fat ratio and some people who do. And I think especially those of us that have been heavy for so long and have done that metabolic damage to our bodies. And you and I are not doctors, you know, you're, a chef. Know me. You, you're a chef. I'm an imbecile. Um, we, <laughs> So I, I'm, you know, a lot of this is anecdotal, but I feel like our lives are these experiments we're running on ourselves. And so I, I reached out to him this week and said, I want to start taking my fat ratio up again. I want to see what happens because I feel like taking it down lower has not been a good result for me. I think, I think my body still has, I mean, I was over 400 pounds for 20 years. Easy. I was over 500 pounds for a solid 10. Like I think. Mm. I think the fact that, you know, we carry that much weight around and, and unlike you, I was never moving. So I also then have that whole sedentary thing, go, that, that great gift of, of laziness and sedentariness going for me. I think that metabolic damage done to my body, the hormonal damage done, I respond better to the higher fat ratio. So I, I think that's something that can be a little a little daunting to people, especially when they reach out to a coach or someone who suggests they do it, or they go on a, a macros calculator and they see it. And I know, I know people that have done a, you know a, closer to a sixty percent or a fifty five and had amazing results. I think that's fantastic. And that's I think probably though, what, I was probably a lot closer to that sixty sixty five. Oh yeah, 
I was, I was very, I've always been very high protein ever since mm -hmm. I started keto. You know, when they talk about high fat, moderate protein, low carb, I was always moderate to high protein, moderate to high fat, and then low carb. You know, right. so I've always kind of been in that zone. Yeah, because what I've really committed to doing is paying attention to what I'm eating. I'm, tra you know, I tracked probably the first year very diligently. But mm -hmm. I fell off of that. I, I, I oh, started sure. to kind of just go, eh, I know what that looks like. I know what eight ounces of chicken or I know what eight ounces of beef looks like. And as I fell out of that habit, I think that was part of my downfall a little bit. So this week I've been back on it. And uh, something that we were talking about, me and Jonathan, was as a chef, you know, I make a recipe. And then before I write the blog, I plug it into, you know, my fitness pal or whatever it is. And then I do the macros after the fact, you know, I add right. it all up and I go, okay, well, if it's that much food, it should probably be six portions. And, you know, I, and so I figure it out and that's what I do. Well, when you're really tracking your macros as, you know, strict as we are right now, I found that I have to actually write the recipe for what I'm going to eat for dinner before I even cook it. Cause I got to mm. do the math. I got to sit here and go, okay, how am I going to get this much, you know, percentage of fat, this much percentage of protein? And then obviously the carbs are, you know, negligible. I'm, I'm, I'm barely eating any carbs. Um, for sure. All. For sure. So I'm sitting here going, okay, well, if we use this much, you know, heavy cream for this and, and I still eat dairy. Um, I try not to go overboard with it, but I'm still eating a good amount of dairy. Um, oh yeah. But I've, issues with it I, that's never been a problem for me overall um so yeah so i'm just using a lot more ghee i'm using a lot more olive oil avocado oil uh even you know bacon fat you know things like that i keep my renderings from when i cook bacon or anything like that and so even now even after two and a half years and over a 20-year culinary career i'm teaching myself how to cook again you know, so you've got to, I think with anything this long of a journey, you just got to keep an open mind with it. So I'm starting over again. You know, I've cooked all sorts of weird stuff this week that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily look the most appetizing, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just call them slop bowls sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, just eggs, beef, and butter, you know, whatever it is, you know. If you need a little more uh, sour cream in there to hit your fat macros, you know, put a dollop of sour cream on top. Nice. So let's let's start talking about that because I I think, you know, we we've we've dove into kind of your weight loss journey and, and your weight gain and and where that went for for you. You are the color. You are culinary lion keto. You're the culinary lion. You you do a lot of recipe development. If you're not following. Uh, Frank on Instagram, check out his account, you know, beautiful pictures, dishes that you're going to want to cook. And the great thing is, I think you do a great job at making sure we know where to go to get the recipes. And, yeah. you know, whether it's in your stories or if it's if it's directly to your website or wherever we need to go. Like, I think it's I think you do a great job of making sure people know how to make the food. And I don't think anything you make is intimidating. I think end product might look a little intimidating to people because they're like, I don't, I will never plate something that way. I think you're a plating master, but I think you create food that people can actually use 
in their in their diets. And whether you're keto or not, you should check Frank out because I know there's some non-keto people listening. And I know, Frank, that's hard for us to believe that there are people who still aren't keto. I, I, don't. I, do, I, I know, I know. I, I do think, you know, people do a lot of different, use a lot of different tools. Um, and, but I, I, I think you've got some great resources for people in terms of ideas. Like you keep, you keep those food ideas fresh. Like I love watching new posts come up for you because even if I'm not going to make a certain dish, I'm like, Ooh, that sauce he made. I wonder what's in that. Or I've never heard of that spice. Or, you know, that one of the things that I have used you for a lot is, um, meat information you're also very good with the sous vide so i will yep. say i bought this how much time and how long what should i do and what i like is you don't just come back and say do it for this for this time you're like if you want to do it for this do this if you want to get it to this level do this and then report back to me and let me know how it went like i i think you're a great fountain of information how has so thinking about all of that and knowing that you know we've you know you've opened many restaurants you've been involved in this culinary world how has your perspective on recipe development had to shift now that you're you're making mostly keto recipes? It's definitely been a, a transition, obviously, just because, you know, there's certain things that you're just not going to use. You know, I think one of the big ones that I think about right off the bat is a roux. You know, a roux mm -hmm. is oh, yeah. flour and butter classically, but, you know, you basically a flour and a fat of your choice. And then that's used to thicken just about anything you're ever going to learn in culinary school so oh yeah right out the door one of the foundations of cuisine you know making a proper roux all right throw that out the window and then the next thing you know you learn a velute and that's cornstarch and water thinking oh, that's yeah. probably the second most common thing well throw that out the door too <laughs> so you know right off the bat making soups um you know that have any kind of viscosity you're going to start looking around and, you know, but you, there's all sorts of things you can use. Uh, some people use xanthan gum. Some people use gelatin. Uh, some people just reduce their cream in a slower manner so that they don't scorch their cream and the cream, the heavy cream will just thicken on its own. So you just kind of have to rework things and kind of start to, you know, again, play mad scientist a little bit. And, uh, you know, cream cheese uh, mixed into half and half or, you know, heavy cream or even coconut milk, um, that'll thicken stuff up. So once you kind of get the principles down and you relearn, you know, the basics, then you can start playing with ingredients. And that's always something mm. that I love. You know, I, I love playing with weird ingredients. So. Oh, yeah. You know, the, what's the your. First... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I think you're headed where I want you to go. So go ahead. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, again, coconut aminos, definitely a weird one. You know, liquid aminos, um, you know, nutritional yeast was a weird one that I came across. Mm. And I'd always heard that's, you know, vegan Parmesan cheese. And I'm like, well, that sounds stupid to me. But, you know, <laughs> let, let me try it. And it's weird because it looks just like what I used to feed my goldfish before they died. Oh, yeah. Days carnival um, it completely does it completely does yeah and i'm like is this safe for human consumption mm. um but you know you start playing with it and i started uh, i remember one of my recipes i took nutritional yeast i took a little bit of real parmesan and uh like some almond flour and i breaded uh eggplant i made like an eggplant mm. farm and so i'm like okay this is pretty cool and it had a good texture um 
so I started playing with that. But then, you know, I started to get into even weirder stuff, like uh, Batarga. Batarga mm. is fish row that right. they cure. So, um, Italy, you know, especially in, like, the coastal areas, what they'll do is, I want to say it's sturgeon row, and I'm probably wrong. I need to double check it. But I think take, that sounds right. They take the row sack, the whole sack, out of the fish. And, I mean, this... Go ahead and click that on YouTube. Look up uh, how Batarga is made. And mm. they cut out this whole row sack, and then they put it in salt. And they just mm. cover it in salt, and then they dry cold smoke it. And it turns into this, like, rock. Oh, but wow. Then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's rock solid. It's preserved. I mean, they've been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. And... What they do is they take that and they'll grate it with a microplane over mm. top of pasta. You know, that, that's classically, you know, you might see like a carbonara or something like that at a nice uh, Italian restaurant. But I found that it's great on top of salads. It's great on top of like roasted oysters, uh, you know, any fish dish. So there's a lot of application to it where you're taking something that is full of, you know, omega-3s and all this good stuff that, you know, Danny Vega talks about all the time. I'm like, this, there is you a go. Really, this is a really cool, fancy ingredient that I would venture to say even a lot of the keto people aren't, you know, familiar with. And um, I think so. I think so. So, yeah. So, like, little things like that I can start maybe incorporating. And what, kind of what you said about uh, asking me, me questions about sous-viding and things like that. I get hit up a lot. And anybody listening, feel free to send me a DM if you got a question. I, I love doing it. I love talking shop with people. So if you're sitting there and you don't know how to do something or you're, you're curious about an ingredient or a product, you know, chances are I've at least heard of it. And if I'm not completely familiar with it, you know, we can look it up together. But uh, yeah, I love talking shop. I love helping people out. I get questions night and day, like, how do I cook this? Or I burn this. How do we fix that? I was always the master of taking dishes that maybe one of my cooks screwed up and putting it back together again. So that that's something that I, I think a talent that I kind of acquired over just years of being in a kitchen where you have to be practical and you have to think on your feet. And so that was something I always enjoyed doing. And now in a lot of these like, you know, keto Facebook groups, I'll, you know, post you know, I just post what I made for dinner, you know, and I get a ton of questions. People ask me, what's this? How to do that? And it, it's fun. I, I really just get a kick out of sitting back and talking with a bunch of people and uh, getting to talk culinary stuff. You know, it's the stuff that I, I've done for so long. And again, I didn't want to give up what I'm good at. You know, it, it's like if, if you were a mechanic and you could never work on a car again, you know, how sad would that be? So. I, you know, getting to still do what I love because I do love cooking. It's, it was, right. it was something that broke my heart because towards the end of my professional career, I was really sad at the thought that I, you know, maybe I just have to stop cooking and I'll never be able to cook in the kitchen. I'll mm. just eat powdered food for the rest of my life. And that was a really kind of, you know, stop and think kind of moment for me. And then when keto came along for me and I got to see that, okay. You just got to make some adjustments, but you still get to cook really badass food on a regular basis. You know, I had bone marrow for lunch today. I had roasted oh, wow. bone marrow 
with Calabrian chilies, grated Romano, and fresh olive oil. You know, fresh, you know, cold-pressed olive oil. You know, right. who the hell eats that for lunch on a Friday? That what sounds epic, man. There you go, <laughs> man. So let me, let, let's, let's dive into the culinary line. I have some specific questions for you about recipes. Uh, I want to give you a chance to kind of share some of your information with people if you're willing to, to, to talk about that. Let's do it. Hit me. Okay. So first, I want you to think about like a lot of these, some of these questions are going to relate to like your specifically recipes you've created and posted and things along those lines. But for the, the, the keto cooking newbie out there, what recipe of yours do you think is a good gateway recipe for them to look into? Oh man, that is a, that is a tough question. I'm trying to think. I'll tell you one that, and it's summertime. There's a cauliflower quote potato salad. Yes, and it's mimicked after my grandmother's recipe that I ate at every picnic since I was three years old. And you know, it's it's kind of that classic mayonnaise mustard base. Instead of using potatoes, you're using uh, you know boiled cauliflower mm -hmm. and, you know i go into the recipe a little bit about what to look for when you're cooking cauliflower because if you overcook it and you don't shock it and cool it down you're gonna have mush you're gonna have mashed oh, potatoes yeah. or mashed cauliflower as the case may be but uh yeah so i go into you know I, I try to give every blog i do i try to give a couple tips like little things to look for because Yes, you can follow a recipe and you can read the ingredients and you can put them in a bowl and you can stir them. But there's little skills in between that that are going to make your dish just taste better. So if you take the few extra steps, one of the, the knocks that I get is I'll never make that. There's too many steps. And if they if they take a minute just to read the blog, I talk about it. And I say, look, you got 10 minutes. This is how you make it. Throw it on on a bowl. It'll be good. No one will die. It's all right. But if you right. take 10 minutes and you follow these little steps and you do these few little things, you're looking at restaurant quality food, you know. And so so that's that's the difference, I guess, with me is I want to maybe give a little bit more knowledge in the blog itself and talk about, you know, why we do that. Why do we blanch the cauliflower separately? Why do we salt the water when we're going to run it under cold water afterwards to stop the cooking process anyway? You know, there there is absorption of salt. You know, cauliflower on its own is not that tasty. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. I'm never looking forward to eating a bowl of boiled cauliflower. I don't know about you. But Oh, for sure. You know, but if you take that cauliflower and you season it, you know, aggressively with good sea salt and then, mm. you know, that five minutes or whatever that that cauliflower is boiling in that water, it's going to absorb it. No matter how much cold water you run it under, it's still going to retain some of that flavor. And then that's going to carry you through the rest of your dish. You know, you don't want to rely just on the mayonnaise or just the salt and pepper at the end. Um, one of the big rules of cooking is to season every single step along the way. For so sure. Oh, for sure. That's awesome, man. And I think you what what I hope people are hearing, because this is something that I try to talk to people about a lot, is I think there's a prevalence for people in the keto community because everyone thinks they're busy and they're already taking a lot of time to track and all of those things. 
And so they're looking for convenience and ease when it comes to food. But I think there's something really great that happens to your relationship with food when you move away from opening boxes and you move into actually going through a meticulous recipe yourself and taking care with ingredients and really putting something into the food. So you not only appreciate it more when it's done, but you've learned more about the food experience. And I, I, I think relationship to food is something that a lot of us who deal with weight problems, especially, you know, big guys out there, you know, we, we are disconnected from our food in a lot of ways. And I think sites like yours encourage people to really get into their food. And I think that's really awesome. What rest? No, go ahead. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, go, no, no, go no, ahead. The, the only thing I wanted to say is the one thing that I have noticed about since I, I've started getting into keto and, and really started writing the blog because I've got a lot to learn. There are some really talented people. And I mean, I could go all day naming them, but like Kendra from Peace, Love, and Low Carb, Christina oh, yeah. from Kitchen, um, Food Dreamer. I mean, there's some real, and, and uh, anybody I'm forgetting, you know, obviously, you know, you're a badass, but. There's so many talented people, and I'm I'm mesmerized because a lot of these people, some have professional training, but a lot of them are just home cooks. But I'm amazed at, at the quality food that I see, and mm. it's it is really inspiring to see. The cool thing about keto is, yes, there are a lot of people that you know want the prepackaged nut butters, and they want to eat the bars, and they want to live off of fathead dough pizzas. But there, I think that. You, yeah, I think you nailed it. People start cooking their own meals now. And it's a beautiful mm. thing because when I was overweight, I was a chef, but you know what I did? I ordered out probably five nights a week because when I got home, I didn't want to cook. I was tired. Right. I cooked all night. So I ordered a pizza. I ordered Chinese food. Now, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, I go into the kitchen, I look what ingredients I have, or I go to the grocery store and I create a fresh meal for dinner that I appreciate whoever's eating it with me appreciates and, and we get to enjoy that, but in a very good, you know, healthy way now. That's awesome, man. What recipe on your site is the most popular? Which one that you've created would you say is the one that you get the most reactions to? Oh man, gosh, I, I, I think it changes, you know, it goes in and out and sure. One of one of the ones I have a uh, a zucchini olive oil cake, mm-hmm. and uh, I make a limoncello frosting on it, and that's probably the recipe that I've had the most people make it on their own, send me a picture of it back, and say, "Oh my god, this is the greatest thing in the world." And you know, again, I, I'm not a baker, and I don't claim right. to be. It's it's not, you know. Exact measuring and, and the, just the science of baking has never been fun for me. But I know that a lot of people want to have sweet treats now and then. And, and this, this olive oil cake, it's, it's obviously it's based off of a few recipes, some of them keto, some of them just classic Italian recipes that I knew from when I was younger. And I kind of just threw a bunch of different versions of it together. And what I ended up doing is kind of making a cross between a zucchini bread and an olive oil cake. Oh, wow. So the zucchini kind of gives it a little bit of depth of flavor. I don't like overly sweet desserts just personally. So the zucchini right. kind of gives the dish a little bit of a grounding effect where it's not 
just overly pumped with, you know, sweets. It's definitely sweet, but there's a kind of a depth of flavor to it. And, uh, you know, a couple of people are like, why the hell are you putting zucchini in a cake? I'm like, well, you know, we put carrot in a cake. Why can't we do zucchini? Right. So, yeah. So I would say my zucchini lemon olive oil cake awesome. uh, is probably one of my, uh, my more popular ones. My crab cake recipe, I make a very good, being from Maryland, you know, I'd be dragged out and shot if I uh, didn't have a good uh, crab cake recipe. So right, you for, gotta, you gotta. Yeah, so that that's that's a big one. I get a lot of uh, requests on that. I do get a lot of people to make that. So for the sweet, I'd say the zucchini lemon olive oil, and for the savory, I'd go with the crab cake. Great. Uh, the I've seen both of them. I haven't made either of them yet, but I'm I'm new to I, I'm kind of new to exploring seafood. So someday. Someday I'll do that. I've made a salmon burger recently that I really liked. So maybe maybe I'll sure. get into a crab cake. You're getting um, there. So, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying, man. You never know. What? Uh, this is last, last time I'm going to put you on the spot to name a recipe. So don't worry. I don't have 20 more questions like that for you. Oh, that's all right. What is your newest recipe that you're most excited about? Oh, that, that, is it on the website yet? Or is this like upcoming? However you want to answer it, whatever you think, whatever, whatever jumps out most to you. Well, I'll be honest. I've been messing around a lot with beef heart lately. And oh, wow. mainly because I hate liver. I absolutely mm. hate, you know, all the guys, the frozen liver gang, you, you got, you got more, more cojones than I do because I can't even fathom putting that in my mouth. Oh um, yeah. It's just the taste of that iron just, do, just doesn't do it for me. So I wanted to find some different, you know, organ meats that I could start to mess around with. And beef heart's incredibly lean, not making it the best keto ingredient, but it's the closest to steak that you're going to find and still get a lot more of that nutrient density. Um, and then, you know, as I always say, you can just, you can add your fats, you can add butter, you can add, oh, you know, holy yeah. to it or, you know, a dipping sauce or whatever. So. Right now on my uh, website, I just did these uh, Asian beef skewers with mm. beef. And uh, I've been getting some good feedback from that one. So, and it's cool to see. Uh, I get a lot of people that, you know, at first they're like, oh my God, it's beef heart. And if you don't want to use beef heart, you can just use sirloin steak. I, I won't, right. you know, I won't call you out. You know, it's a free country. But if you want to be a little bit more adventurous and try something out, yeah, let's see, let's let's dig into some beef heart and and give that a go. That's that's awesome because I, I actually have seen that recipe and and marked it so that I need to try it because I've been you know trying to up my nutrient density and try new or try organ meats and heart is one that I've discovered that it doesn't have to be ground up in something for me to like it and yeah. one I think it's amazing when you go especially like you want to try to source like. You can't usually go to your general supermarket and say, have you got any hearts today? But if you can connect with a farmer or another source, there's some online places, you know, some good butchers, you can find a heart. But I love the first time I bought a heart at the farmer's market. And I, it took me three different farms to find one, like calling them all week to be like, I need a heart. I need a heart. And finally, one was like, we've got one. We can bring it. And I'm like, great. So they brought me this heart. And yes. It looked like a heart. It was filleted, but it looked like a heart. So that was a little, that was fun. It was gigantic. Sure. I'm like, okay, wow. You don't really think about the size of a cow's heart. 
But it was funny because then the, the woman who was cashing me out, she then says, your dogs are going to eat really well this week. And I said, I don't, have a do- I, don't, I don't have a dog. And she goes, then why did you buy a heart? And I'm like, for me. And she's like, we, we've never sold a heart to a person to eat before. You have, to let us know how it, you have to let us know how it is. I go, have you not eaten heart? And they're like, no, we haven't. And I'm like, well, my understanding is that it's really good. So, of course, I went back to them and I was like, start eating your hearts. Eat your hearts out, literally. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a real but, quick story. Real quick oh, definitely. Story. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Was I was at my butcher and I bought that heart a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to try making my own burger blend. So right. I wanted to incorporate some brisket, some heart, and some liver. Just enough liver to kind of get the nutrient, but not enough to taste it. And so I talked to, you know, the butcher comes out from behind the counter. I tell him what I want to do. And, uh, you know, so I write down the ratios for him. And uh, he says, all right, well, it's going to be a mess, you know, grinding liver and all that. So he goes, come back at the end of the day. And so I come back at the end of the day. He's got it all ground up for me, ready to go. And he goes, why are you feeding your dog brisket? He goes, there's so many cheaper cuts I could have used to make this. Oh, God. And I go, no, nah, dude, I'm going to eat this. And he goes, what? Mm. <laughs> and so he looked at me like I was crazy. But as soon as I said I was eating it for the nutrient density, he completely understood it. So he was really excited to hear what I thought of it. And uh, I'm going to change the ratio just a little bit to add a little bit more fat to it. Mm. But I didn't taste the liver. The heart was really good. It's got a great texture. So nice. um, I call them werewolf burgers. So I'll probably have that recipe out in a couple of weeks. Nice. I look forward to seeing that one show up, man. Um. So we, we've been talking for a while. I don't want to keep you online all night. I know you've got recipes to dream up and, you know, probably better things to do than talk to me. But let's, I, I, I want to take us back because we've gone through, you know, quite the journey for you tonight. Uh, but also, I think it's, it's amazing. One, I want to say that, like, you do, you inspire me with your tenacity to keep going. And I, I have no doubts that you're going to see wherever your goal takes you, you're going to get there, man. Like, I completely know that. Like. What would you say, because I know there are people listening who haven't gotten started on their journeys and have that, that giant number in their head of pounds they need to lose that they're terrified of. They see it as a mountain in front of them. What is your advice you would give to them on how to get started? Oh, you know, I, I, there's so many inspirational people out there, you being one of them, and I never give myself credit for it. Because, you know, I haven't gotten to my goal yet, and, and I'm not even close. I, I'm one of those people that I'm hesitant to, to be the guru or to be the, the advice giver. But what I will say, and I guess I can speak from experiences because I'm, I'm in the trenches. I'm, I'm oh, you are. So I guess my thing is, is that no matter what happens, just keep moving forward. You know, don't ever say, ah, oh, it's too late, because it's not too late. That's the one thing. The, the one takeaway is it is not too late. So if you're 700 pounds, if you're 800, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, because every day and every pound lighter I get, I'm extending my life. And so have I done some damage? God knows I have. But I get to... The beautiful thing about the body is how much it can recover. You know, 
I talked to my doctor a couple weeks ago, and he was talking to me. He goes, you are the healthiest obese person I've ever met. He goes, nah. your blood work's fantastic. He goes, you're active. He goes, you're getting – he goes, every time I see you, you just look healthier. And and that's an amazing thing that you can go from half dead, near dead, or whatever to really starting to enjoy life. You know, I, I look forward to getting up in the morning. My Every day I ache a little bit less. I'm not going to say, you know, I spring out of the bed like a teenager, but, Mm -hmm. you know, so just get started, make small changes, make them sustainable changes. Don't just start one day and go, I'm going to eat a thousand calories and walk six miles. It's just not, you're not going to do that. So small changes and make them sustainable. There you go, man. I think I think that's that's perfect advice. Definitely. Um, you and 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 I want you to realize that like your accomplishment is amazing already. You know, if you were to stop right now, you you've clearly added more years to your life. You've lost more weight than most of us are going to think about losing. And I know you got a ways to go. And I know that's I, I I'm sure that perspective is hard when you see the road behind you and then the road ahead. But like you said. You got to keep looking forward and moving forward. And I think you're definitely, you're definitely on that path and sharing your story. And I think it's, it's powerful. Some of us, you know, some of us are like me and share embarrassing pictures um, and, you know, flash it for the camera. I think your, your change that you're helping people make is by exposing them to ways that they can make better food, ways that they can get to know their food better and, not fall into that rut like you said if anyone feels like keto is not sustainable and and again this isn't a i don't want this to be a keto infomercial like we've talked a lot of keto tonight like i i think that's good for the people out there that are doing it if you're someone who's not keto i i think there's still lessons in in frank's story to take away about finding those those changes you need to make and making them sustainable so i really appreciate you sharing your your story with me tonight and as always i appreciate all of the the vast color Culinary knowledge. What is culinary knowledge? I have no idea what that is. Culinary <laughs> knowledge. See, I said we're at that point of the night where I start to lose my words, man. I lose my words. Uh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm really appreciative for the the force you are in the community in terms of putting those that information out there and keeping things fresh. So, thank you for the work that you put in. I think it's it's, and I, I'm just, I know, I feel like we're now at that point where I'm just tooting your horn for the end of the night, but. The fact that you're doing, you're working with the same coach I am, so I know what it's like to be put into those macros and tracking, and you're still finding ways to create the food that you're creating. I, I think that's that's really awesome, and so that's that's really inspiring, man. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Hey, man, I appreciate it, brother. Definitely, definitely. Is there anything we didn't get to talk about tonight, Frank, or any last words you want to share with the people? I think you gave some nice advice, but anything anything else out there you want to say or? Is there an ingredient that people haven't tried that they might be able to find easily accessible? I think Botarga is great, but I know we all might not be able to find that easily. Is there something people should try or, or one last one last piece of information from that culinary lion? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I would say just, you know, getting into maybe, you know, baby steps into the organ meat um, mm. a little bit. Uh, something I'm messing with right now is cod liver, not cod liver oh, wow. oil but actual cod liver. And nice. uh, so I'm actually going to be making a, a fish cake recipe next week. And uh, that's something you can get at most grocery stores or Amazon mm. Prime. 
so it's it's uh it's not too too hard to find you know that's the beauty of amazon you can find just about anything but oh uh, yeah yeah I, I trust me prime day i i my wallet uh gets locked away so i don't uh blow every penny on it on weird ingredients uh, that's probably a good thing man that's probably a good thing where can people find you uh culinarylion.com uh that's going to be where you find all my keto low carb recipes um grilling24x7.com for any of my barbecue recipes uh grilling tips stuff like that and then um culinary lion on facebook i i'm actually fairly active uh in some groups there and then culinary lion keto on instagram nice man well I certainly hope everyone out there listening is going to go to Frank's site and find a recipe to try it. If you do, make sure you let him know. I'm sure he would love the feedback and to see what you what you do with his work. That would be really awesome. So thanks again, Frank. I just really appreciate your time tonight. Hey, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely, definitely. Well, and thank you, everyone out there listening. This has been another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm your host, Gourmet. You can also find me on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. You can find me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. No underscores or dashes or anything, just Gourmet Goes Keto. And you can also email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. If you're interested in talking to me, if you're a guy out there, like I said, the Fat Guy Forum is about sharing the stories of fat guys who are at all different stages of their journeys. And I'm excited for you to see who's coming up next, too. We've got a lot planned. So really, stay tuned. Keep amazing yourselves because you're amazing people. So do something every day to amaze yourself. And I also, I think it's really, really important to, to re reiterate tonight. Like one of the things I also like to say on Instagram a lot is that you need to keep digging at your mountain, no matter how big it is. Keep digging every day, even if you're sometimes using a teaspoon versus a shovel. So keep digging. Have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you all back here at the Fat Guy Forum real soon. <laughs>